Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. fresh. goddammit, we fresh. Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I'm your host, Kay Fresh. And before we get into a great show that we have this week, just want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and share any links you see on the website and your social medias. That would be perfect. There's also a link at the top of the website that says support the podcast, which with a PayPal link that you can donate to. And there's also an Amazon link that you can use if you ever make any purchases on Amazon. And just use that link. It doesn't change anything on your end, but it will um, shoot back a little commission our way for any of the purchases that you make through that link. You can also follow Fresh of the Word on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh is the Word One. That's Fresh is the Word, then the number one. Then also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. And then you can also subscribe to Fresh is the Word on a myriad of locations iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn. Just go anywhere on those platforms and search Fresh is the Word, and it'll come up. You can subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do to connect with us, and you'll get the episodes instantly. And you can also leave any comments, ratings, five-star ratings. That would be awesome. Do it. It'll help out the podcast a lot. This week, continuing on with the Juggalo theme that we had last week with the ROC, I have another uh, Juggalo guest for, for you this week. Young Wicked. He used to be a part of the ex-Murder Boys, the Garcia Brothers, over on Psychopathic Records. He's no longer with Psychopathic Records. He's with Magic Ninja Entertainment, along with uh, Twisted, and the ROC, and Blaze Your Dead Homie. The band's back together. They're in a different place, a better place right now. 
and we talk about how it's like to be a part of Magic Ninja Entertainment. And he has a new album out right now called The Return of the Prodigal Son. It's a great album. You should check it out. So we get into it, start talking about the album, talk about uh, where he's come through all, throughout his career. We even talk about a little bit of wrestling in his childhood and how he got into doing music. It's very fascinating. We have a really good talk. Then afterwards, like always, the homie V Styles will uh, join in for our discussion about what's going on in the world of music, pro wrestling, and MMA. There's always a lot to talk about in those realms. So before we get into that, let's get to the interview with Young Wicked. Right, cool. We're here with uh, Young Wicked, and you have a new album. Uh, you know, by the time this airs, it'll be already out on uh, Magic Ninja Entertainment, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Uh, before we get into all that, you know, let's go back a little. You know, um, How did you originally get into uh, doing music? Well, originally, uh, you know, my dad, he's a bass player, and he's been in bands his whole life, and I was a little seven, eight-year-old kid sitting in on all his band practices, and that was my <laughs> first intro to music. I'd just sit in between these these uh, four, you know, mid-30s guys drinking beers and playing classic rock songs, like, as loud as possible, and that's what I like to do is just sit there while they played, and then eventually... I ended up getting up and singing, uh, and uh, my dad was, like, blown away by my singing. So me, him, and my other two brothers started a band, and we were basically doing, like, cover songs uh, <laughs> for weddings for weddings and shit from the time I was, like, nine till I was 12. That's that's my true origin in music. <laughs> so I was, like, I was, like, traveling and doing shows for money, like, when I was a nine-year-old kid. You what know? sort of songs were you playing? Like, what, what was, like, your usual, like, set list? Well, we had uh, uh, we had two country songs in our repertoire. I can't remember the other one, but the one was that uh, "Friends in Low Places." <laughs> and I hated doing those fucking country songs. Like I like country now, but back then I hated it. And we also did uh, what else, man? Uh, we did uh, what is it? <laughs> we did that Spanish song "Oye Como Va." We played that. Well, I mean, just all kind of classic rock shit, you know, like. Every like classic rock tune that you could imagine, we did like "Wonderful Tonight" by Eric Clapton. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just a bunch of shit. A couple Stevie Ray Vaughan songs. Those were fun. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it was crazy. My brother Bones, who I'm in the group A and B with, he was the drummer, and my eldest brother Ryan uh, was a guitar player, and I sang, and my dad played the bass and organized the whole thing. It was fucking. It was fun, man. It was a great way to intro me into being a professional in music. That's for sure. Right, right. What'd you What'd you learn yeah, during yeah. that time? Uh, you know, as a kid, you know, being an actual sort of musician in this cover band. Well, it was. Cr- I learned that people like to get drunk and dance. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was. It was a lot of drunk asses that I was dealing with at a young age, and like people screaming requests at you that you have no idea. You know, some lady like. Play Lady in the Red Dress. Like, <laughs> screaming over your fucking uh, song. Play it. Play Lady in the Red Dress. Like, bitch, I don't know what Lady in the Red Dress is. <laughs> Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it was still, it was good. I got to see, you know, what it's like, what it takes to set up all your gear and be in a band and, you know, tear everything down and make a tiny bit of money. But the thing is, for me, I was just a little kid. All I was buying was, like, wrestling toys with my money anyway. So. Right. Every time I got a hundred bucks for a show, it was like a huge deal. I was just like, this is fucking awesome. But yeah, it taught me how to be a professional, honestly. It taught me to respect the sound man. It taught me to, you know, how to handle crowds. 
I was a real stage fright kid back then, and I got I got through it because this is what I wanted, you know. And then uh, around the age of 12, 13, that's when we discovered uh, rap music, more specifically like the Wicked shit. Right. And that's that is the rest of the rest of history, basically. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you said you uh, would spend your money on wrestling toys. Are you a big wrestling fan? Hell yeah, I was. I kind of my wrestling fandom uh, was so strong. I wanted to be a wrestler. I used to like wrestle the air in our trampoline and <laughs> I'm back for like six hours a day, just practicing my moves. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, but no, I was a huge wrestling fan until like the Monday Night War ended. Yeah. And then it just slowly fizzled from that point on. I'll still watch like WrestleMania every now and again. I'm much more into like the UFC now, but uh. Like, I couldn't tell you who half of these wrestlers are. Like, I don't know, you know, like, where Kofi Kingston came from. I don't even know if that guy's still a wrestler or oh, what. Still like, is. I'm super <laughs> out of the loop as far as wrestling goes right now. Other than, you know, I know a few wrestlers. Like, uh, my homie, the Weed Man, he's also known as uh, uh, Dysfunction. He's out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's one of my fucking homeboys, one of my favorite wrestlers. So shout out to him. But, but yeah, I fell off when the Monday Night War ended. Yeah, I think a but lot I of people like, uh, did that. A lot of people fell off at that time. Yeah, but I, I was I was deep in it, man. I, I loved wrestling from a, a child. My fucking dad and my grandpa loved it, and I used to buy the fucking Jack Pacific uh, wrestling figures for like four ninety nine. <laughs> I loved them things, man. That was the other thing I spent my childhood doing was just playing with fucking wrestling toys. <laughs> Who are your favorite wrestlers at that time? Oh, probably Rey Mysterio, uh, Juventud Guerrera, and Ultimo Dragon. Like, I was big into the luchadors and the cruiserweights, you know what I'm saying? Oh, lovely. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. La Parca was fresh as fuck. <laughs> La Parca was awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Old school. I guess more mainstream style. I kind of like, uh, you know, I was down with Bret Hart. Yeah. Big Shawn Michaels fan. Big Stone Cold and Rock fan, obviously. Definitely. But yeah, fuck yeah. The Hardy Boys were the shit. You right. know, I, I still like the Hardy Boys. I actually caught notice of what they're doing with their whole new gimmick and the delete shit and all that. And yeah. It's like, this is entertaining. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but this is entertaining. It's oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. It's awesome. Amazing. Um, yeah, and you just mentioned that you're uh, um, a fan of UFC. Um, are you, are you, do you pay attention to a lot of the stuff going on these days? Uh, I pay attention to the stuff that you can catch scrolling on Facebook, and then I'm I'm big McGregor fan, so I'm interested to see what happens on the 26th. You know what I'm saying? And I really, I really, I mean, like I'm I'm an American and I'm proud of the USA and all that, but I really want Connor to knock out Mayweather guys, like, <laughs> so bad. You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited for that. Right. And uh, right, I watch right. a few fights fight documentaries and I, I, you know, stay up to date with what happens in the most recent ones. Like I just watched a video of this girl taking a shit on herself when she got choked out. Yeah. It yeah. Was like just happened the other day or something. I'm like, damn. And you know, that girl who shitted herself, she was probably talking mad shit before she went into that fight too. Right. And, <laughs> and she just ends up getting beat up and embarrassed. It's crazy. Right. Then afterwards she actually tweeted to uh, like with a hashtag shit happens. <laughs> that's how you own that shit literally right, right that's right. awesome <laughs> do, you, do you have yeah your... i like the ufc from a from a distance i don't you know i don't have i'm not buying pay-per-views right i'm watching this shit on youtube afterwards like a buster do you, so fuck do you it. <laughs> right do you catch uh do you catch any of the other organizations like bellator 
I I see them, but I couldn't tell you anybody who's in there. You know what I mean? But I watch them every now and again for sure, because that shit. Some of them are like free on on uh, FX or some shit. Some yeah, and Spike. You can get yeah, they're a- yeah. Most of the all their basically all their program is on Spike. But this past weekend, they did actually have their second pay per view in company history, and it was really good. Oh, that's the shit. That's yeah. awesome. It's tight to see somebody coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, out against the giant Walmart ass UFCs of the world. Right, and there there's been a lot of um, UFC fighters that have come over to Bellator recently. Uh, Rory McDonald, uh, Lorenz Larkin, Ryan oh, Bader. Wow. Uh, they're all in. Uh, That's tight, man. I wonder how much of a WWE TNA situation that is. Like, I wonder if they're they're actually moving up and doing better for themselves, or if they're you know joining up with some some shady people and inevitably going to be in a sinking, sinking ship. I don't know nothing about it. I'm just no, like no, with, uh, with Bellator, head, you know? with Bellator, they're, um, they're owned by Viacom and, Oh wow. And Scott and Scott Coker, who used to be, uh, who used to run uh strike force back in the day that eventually got, uh, bought by the UFC. He's, um, He's he's been running uh, Bellator for the past few years, and he's kind of gotten wow, it back cool. on track. Back when the previous guy, uh, Bjorn Rabney, was uh, in charge of everything in Bellator, that was a TNA situation for real. Yeah, see, you, you understood what I was saying, man. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a TNA situation for real. But now, like with uh, Scott Coker uh, heading everything else, they're getting back on track. They, you know, they're all bringing up, bringing some of these like older guys uh, to um, uh, fight, you know, kind of, you know, have these marquee mat- matchups like they had. Um, right. Little spectacle type shit. Yeah. Like they had uh, Vanderlei Silva versus Chael Sonnen and, um, <laughs> and then Matt right. Riccione versus Fedor Emelianco uh, this past weekend for the pay-per-view. That was like. Wow. That's pretty fun. Cool. Yeah, it was, they're having these crazy, like, you know, these legends and stuff over there. But um, at the same time, they're building up their uh, their other divisions, and their welterweight division is, like, ridiculous right now. So that's going to be super fun. But Scott Coker's been getting it back on track from what it used that's to be. So, yeah, those guys, those guys work so hard for what they're doing, so it's like it sucks. Same with wrestlers. I've seen a lot of wrestlers just get fucking the bone over the years. You know what I mean? So it's like. It's a crazy business. It's somewhat like the music business, only yeah. less, uh, less fucking. Uh, I don't know, getting punched in the head. <laughs> <laughs> to some people, I guess. <laughs> right. There's certain. Yeah. If you're if you're XXX Tentacion, he's a current a fucking SoundCloud rapper. If you're that guy, you're definitely getting punched in the head quite and, a bit. And dildos thrown at you. Yeah, dog, and they're throwing, see, man, me and you were on YouTube probably the same amount. Those motherfuckers are getting schooled out on the road. I can't believe it, man. That's the shit. That's how it used to be back in the old school Wicked Shit days. There's plenty of stories of underground rap legends jumping off stage and blowing people's grills out, you know what I mean? But uh, Right. <laughs> but that ain't like that nowadays. They got the power of the cell phone and motherfuckers getting sued and shit. But ain't nobody even really trying to beef like that for real. You know, in my world, anyways, right, people right. talk a lot of shit on the internet, but nothing ever happens, right, ever, right. dog. So it's like, fuck it, <laughs> right? How did you, um, how did you uh, finally, you know, start getting serious about doing uh, rap music? Um, well, we we started. I mean, we were already hip to to making music on our own by the time we were twelve, thirteen, and started listening to underground rap and shit. So we uh, we just started recording right away, and uh, 
like I think I was like maybe 13 or 14 years old when we put out our first uh, tape and CD, and uh, we recorded it all on a four-track tape recorder and fucking put it put it out on tape at first, like 10 copies, and just selling them to our homies. We were the shit for that, though. We <laughs> we were so floored that we sold any at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> we were we were geeks that we could make 10 of them and have each one look kind of similar. You know, it was dope. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but then, yeah, we just started pressing CDs, and that just started, you know, an everyday lifelong at this point career of recording promoting pressing our and putting out our own cds you know what i mean all the way to the point where uh we got the i was like 17 when um psychopathic had a, a contest called underground psychos right. and it was like you win you win the contest you get a contract and we won that bitch fucking it, it was like we were like the fucking 10 to 1 underdog or whatever but we fucking pulled it out with mad hard work Right. The guys we were battling, they they thought they had it won already, so they were relaxing, and we showed up like with mad promotional shit and just just begging motherfuckers to vote for us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we got it, dog. Thank God. And uh, that changed everything from that point on. Shit got even twice, you know, twelve times as serious. And uh, we learned how to record with real equipment as opposed to old digital recorders and old fucking four trap track analog tape recorders like. We moved up to Pro Tools and shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And uh, started nationally touring and just learned the ropes, you know what I'm saying? We already had a good mind, a, a good business mind, and a, a good music mind. But so on the road, got that exposure and right. fucking took it from there, you know? Right. All those years that you, you're, you're, you guys were uh, putting out uh, CDs as Axe Murder Boys before the whole psych- psychopathic thing, you know, what was sort of right. like your... Uh, you know your, your your fondest memories of that time. What really sticks out during, of that time? Oh man, uh, probably just how deep our crew was. Like every concert we did was a huge, huge deal and a huge success. We used to play at these places called like Islet Park Saloon and shit. And what we would do is we would, uh, I being a sixteen year old kid, would call and book these places myself. You know, no experience, <laughs> no nothing, just fucking fast talking these guys. And then uh, uh, I'd get us into these clubs, doing these headlining shows. We would theme them something cool, and we would fucking promote them for, like, you know, a couple months and actually be putting, like, two, 300 people in these little bars. It looked awesome. It was like we were fucking killing it. Right. And uh, we had a crew of, like, 24, 25 people who were there for us every single show, every time. Nobody had, like, we were all kids, so nobody had, like, real responsibilities yet. Right. So we were always just 24-7 doing this. And then, uh, and, you know, that's, that's probably it. You know what I mean? Just remembering how dope we were for being totally independent, totally Colorado only, and we were building a fan base all on our own. That shit was just exciting. Right, I remember right. at the end, of, I used to be, like, super straight edge. And su- during this time, I was, like, no drugs, no alcohol. And I was constantly, you know, I, was, I, I, I guess I was religious. I'm more spiritual now, but back then I was straight up, like, christian in my personal life you know what i mean yeah i was rapping about all kind of horrible shit (laughs) but personally i was just like you know like i'd be judging my brothers for like drinking or fucking hanging out with fucking too many chicks or whatever i'd be like oh you guys are sinning you know all this shit (laughs) but uh but uh i remember after each show every night we would go home and we'd have like a little mini after party with the whole posse at my mom's house yeah and i remember every time after the show going home and like 
full-blown falling to my knees and, and thanking God for such an incredible show and, like, the fact that we get to do this and, like, it, it's, it's working and shit. You know, because back then I didn't care about any of the money. It was just a dream that I wanted to achieve. And I was always visualizing rocking crowds, and now I was actually doing it mad young style. You know, like, they used to put X's on our hands because we were, you know, too young to be in the bars that we were playing at. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. It was fucking great, man. It was great. It was just a, a, a really good time, a really good way to get me set up for, for what I was about to encounter, which was the national the national touring world and the, the darkness of the music industry. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Everything you just described about that time is like what I also witnessed like um, on the early days of ICP and House yeah. of Crazies and Isham and Nautis and even Kid Rock here in uh, here in Michigan, like everything yeah, was totally. It was all all these guys were grinding. There, they made all their shows events. They weren't just another show. There was this yeah, totally. There was this importance behind all of it, even though we were all like they were all like local regional acts, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I uh, I've heard many a story about that about that early magical time. I really wish I could have seen like an Esham show in his heyday when he was like selling out crowds and coming out of a casket and all. Oh, this. dude, the, you know what I'm saying? I got to see like one really true Esham show, like in I think it was in '95. I was like like 14 years old. And I think that was the last true Esham show that I, I really got to see. I seen them after that, but it wasn't in the same spirit as what I saw that night. Yeah, that's super dope. I mean, I've met him, I've seen his shows before, and he's super dope, and he's a legend for doing what he's doing. But the fucking heyday, that would have been some shit. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. You, um, you brought up uh, sort of like... The you know this sort of a religious aspect that you had early on, and you've kind of converted yeah. more spiritual. Have you know have you been able to kind of keep that up through all this you know time in the music industry? Yeah, hell yeah, man! It's like a go-to for me. Like as far as like a belief in God, that's definitely very firm and solid in my heart and my mind. And I speak to God regularly, and we got a, a good spiritual relationship. I just don't do like the religion thing so much is, is like, uh, you know, organized religion. It's just a bunch right. of craziness. And, like, you can read, you know, all the religious books and pick it apart and find all sorts of weirdo shit in there. So, <laughs> I'm like, I'm straight on all of that. I know that there's a creator and uh, whatever his or its name is, I just, I know we're connected and that's who I'm speaking to and I ignore the rest of the shit. You know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for me, man. And it's helped me get through fucking everything, honestly, because it gives you strength. Spirituality will give you strength when you absolutely need it. And when you have none, you know what I'm saying? It'll give you something that you feel like you ain't alone. And that's the shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I've, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people where they don't like sort of have the sort of ties to organize religion and spirituality and stuff but they're more they're more comfortable with having their own personal relationship with it yeah exactly yeah it keeps you going man it, it fucking got me through a lot of shit so i'm saying it's got me through a lot of long crazy tours and my previous bout with alcoholism and all that shit you know what i'm saying just having that faith base 
kind of made it to where no matter what happened, no matter what I put myself through, I was able to come out on the other end still shining. So I'm like, I'm very grateful for that. It's the shit. I think I got that from like, you know, my, my grandparents, <laughs> my mother, you know what I'm saying? They instilled that in me. They were all super religious, but, uh, just the constant, uh, spirituality vibe, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. I read, um, I read somewhere online that you quit drinking a few years ago. Yeah. It'll be, uh, what month are we in? We're in, uh, uh, we're in June. Oh no shit. Okay. So then <laughs> damn, I missed, I missed my three year anniversary of not drinking. I've been kicking it with my kids for the last uh, two <laughs> weeks and didn't give a fuck about that at all. But, uh, June 19th was the three-year anniversary of my last drink. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, June 19th, 2014, I believe it was, was when I had my last drink at a club called Pops in St. Louis, <laughs> surrounded by strip clubs. I spent three days there on a bender, fucking blew $800 just on buying alcohol at a bar you know what i'm saying dude <laughs> 800 bucks i was buying drinks for like old people and shit and like day drinking all day like all these random fucks just um oh, I'm, I'm a baller like no you're not dog <laughs> it was like two shows worth of money that i had and i just blew it all it's funny as hell <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah those days are long gone man ever since i fucking kicked that alcohol shit Everything in my life has been on an upward tra trajectory. I've been through some crazy shit since, but nothing that I couldn't handle and nothing that I would be able to handle if I was still drinking. You, you feel me? Right, Some right. people just can't handle it, man. Some people, like, you know, my lady can have a drink and be fine. Not have to drink the next day, not have to drink until she's vomiting, you know. But me, I, I just, I, if I drink a little, it's just over with. You know what I'm saying? So I stay away from it completely. Right. A lot of weed, though. <laughs> right. I um <laughs> I quit drinking back in November. Uh, I was just, oh, yeah. I was just trying to like I was trying to quit like in really half-ass ways for like most of last year. And then after yeah. one night, I was like I went to like a Asking Alexandria show, and that whole night I was just drinking, like, and it just kind of <laughs> after the next day it just kind of clicked. I'm like I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah, hell I yeah. just don't care anymore to drink and everything. And it's weird, like, once you get some space from that, um, once your body starts sort of reverting back to what it's supposed to be, like, <laughs> right. some of the effects that you don't realize that alcohol, like, has on your body, it's crazy. Right. Yeah, that shit was tearing me apart. I mean, <laughs> I, I drank in a way that was, like, extremely physically damaging, but thank God I was, I stopped you know, I basically have one whole year of really, really hardcore drinking. And if that would have been like maybe two, three years, I probably would have lasting damage. But thank God I stopped at a time that was like, you know, I got out of it. It took a while to heal, but I got out of it. But yeah, man, I did a, a rehab and everything. It was rehab was the shit. It was like a fucking excellent, well-fed, super mountain-esque, beautiful vacation <laughs> but it just you had to do a bunch of fucking homework and, and basically learn not how to be a, a drunken asshole all the time <laughs> thank god i did it man it's worth it doug congrats on you not drinking too because it's fucking worth it yeah thank you man thank you yeah congrats on the the three years hell yeah i fucking i can't wait to hit my lady up and be like we we missed the fucking anniversary of my shit now we get to celebrate you know what i mean crack it open let's get some fucking drinks no I'm <laughs> right right there's uh, actually a bar outside of the rehab i went to and if you bring them your 30-day achievement sobriety coin 
they will let you drink for free all night in their bar for, <laughs> for, for giving them their coin. I'm like, that is some sinister, wicked shit right, right. there. <laughs> you're like, you're driving up to rehab, and on the way up, you see these bars, and those bars will actually cut you a deal and so I can let you drink all night for free if you give them your coin. I'm like, damn, that's a crazy marketing ploy, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What's been the atmosphere over at Magic Ninja since you've joined? You know, how did joining Magic Ninja come about, and what was those in, uh, initial conversations like? Well, uh, I've I've been knowing George for a long time. Uh, like since my first out of state concert, I met him at this show called 3M Fest, and uh, it was just like a barn in the middle of nowhere, and it was just <laughs> a bunch of rappers rapping for other rappers. It was awful, but George was there, and a relationship began. And uh, from that point on, we had done some shows, some ABK shows, and like we came up through our career at the same time as he did his. And he was always like an extremely trustworthy ninja, you know. Like he, if he made a deal with you, a deal, you know. And in the, you'd be surprised in the rap game how often that's not the case. So, so yeah, I uh, when I became a free agent. Uh, George called me and, you know, I didn't think him or Twisted would call me at all. You know what I'm saying? And I was just, my whole plan at that point was to just keep making records, just doing it on my own, you know, seeing where I could go with it. But when he called me and we started talking, I started getting real hopeful, you know, and, uh, I felt like it'd be a perfect fit. And it, and it turned out to be a fucking perfect fit because, uh, those guys know, you know, what, it, what my come up was like, you know, they experienced so many similar things. So, Going going over there was like a fucking dream come true. Like everything that I could have wanted and wished for to be handled by a label, it all happens here. And it's all like fucking done. It's all obvious, you know, like obvious shit. Like uh, nowadays, now that I'm with MNE, I can have merch for my fucking shows, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like we promote our albums and et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, basically, it's just like a dream come true being over there. Fucking, uh, they, uh, they don't. Uh, they don't leave shit. They don't leave shit on the table. You're not wondering why you don't have no merch. You know everything is just like on point. You know, and uh, everything's open. I got. I got a good open relationship with our accountant, and you know everything is like. Uh, I don't know, man. I can't explain it other than dream come true. That's like the best words to explain it for an underground rapper who went through as much shit as I did to be with some people like this. It's like I'm finally with the right people. You know what I mean? Great. Awesome. Yeah, you got a new album out right now. Uh, it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. What's some of your favorite songs on the album? Oh, shit. Definitely Still I Rise uh, featuring Ritz and Jamie Madrox. That was like another fucking big dream come true for me to get both of those guys on one song together. And uh, and like I tailor-made the song hoping that, uh, that Ritz would do it. And so we sent it out to him hoping he would do it. And he did. It was just a fucking blessing. So that's a big one. And then uh, this track, I really like this track. Um, it's called Stronger in the Finish. And it's uh, it's like a dark, fucking smoky, fucking rainy sounding song. You know what I mean? It's like one way to describe it. Like you listen to this song, you close your eyes, and that's the kind of shit you picture. And uh, I didn't know how people would take to it because I use auto-tune on the song. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, but um. People are loving it, and we're thinking about making that the next video. We're like talk, in talks right now, figuring out uh, all the procedures to make the next video, and uh, that's the track that I think I'm going to go with. And it's just dope. It's so it's super different. It's not the same uh, young, wicked, fast rapping shit. 
You know what I mean? And uh, like with my last record, when I put out that video, YWG, it was a whole like singing love song, basically. <laughs> and I like doing that. I like doing different shit that isn't just like automatically like uh, fucking the same shit everybody's heard over and over. So that one's that one's really dope. But I love the whole album, man. The whole album is really like one big expression of how I felt during the time I was making it. You know, it was a big, you know, exhale of fucking energy. You know what I mean? And, and it's the shit. It's out now. It's working. I fucking love it, man. Right. Uh, you have a video out now for Believe. Uh, what's that song about? And where did you film the video? What's the concept of the video about? Oh, uh, the video is pretty fucking funny, in my opinion, even though it's a really serious song. But uh, I wrote this, like, treatment for it where basically I'm, like, a disgruntled, like, failing fucking RV salesman. I don't know why I went with RV salesman because we had access to an RV lot. But anyway, right. uh, RV salesman who's, like, losing his business, so he decides to uh, turn to selling dope to uh, to make the, the money that he needs to keep his business alive, right? And, but the dope is actually my CDs and T-shirts. So, like, you see him packing up a bag full of CDs and shirts and looking around all sketchy. Right. And then he, get, he gets this hunting rifle and fucking goes to make the drug deal with the bad guys. And the bad guys try to fucking jump him, and he turns around and shoots them all and takes the money and the dope. And that's just, <laughs> that's basically the end of the video. But, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, he killed the bad guy, drug dealers, and he got paid, and he still gets to keep all his dope, a.k.a. Young Wicked CDs and merch, which is just <laughs> fucking funny and fresh to me. But, uh, so so that's, like, the way the video goes. It's that mixed in with, like, really dope performance shots. We did it with uh, my boy Mike Winnegar and Josh Ulrich. Uh, my boy Chop was there, a couple other people. It was, it was a family affair, and uh, we put a lot of heart into making it, so it's really fucking, you could see the heart in it. So that's what's dope about it. The song Believe is more, it's just about telling people, I can make you believe in this shit I'm doing because it's real, regardless of any negative nonsense you've heard on the internet or any hater shit that you've come across or your preconceived notions of who I am, I can make you believe in me because it's easy to believe in shit when it's real, you know what I mean? And that's that's basically what the track is. Damn, that was some deep shit I just said. Fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. One thing I, I've noticed over since like your early years of being an artist, you know, when you were a psychopathic with uh, the ex-murder boys, is that in recent years you've kind of had a bit of a image change, a, a, a transformation about you know your image. You have more of a right. grown-up look now. Uh, you know, what was the reasoning between behind sort of like updating your the way you look? Well, it all kind of came about naturally. I just, I felt a certain way and, and trying to force, force myself to uh, dress and, and portray something else. You know, like with Axe Murder Boys, it's a lot of theater. It's a lot of like, especially back in the day, yeah. it was like that original, like all we cared about was like original wicked shit. So it was all kind of built in, in fantasy yeah. of like, I'm going to fucking be this character who, kills you with an axe in a comic book, fucking Superman style or whatever, or superhuman serial killers, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Right. And that just wasn't, you know, that just isn't me. I had I had the real me trying to crawl out, you know what I'm saying? And as time went on, A and B 
you know, uh, started talking more and more about us and people, people would always ask us like, who are you? Like you got boondocks, the scarecrow, you got, uh, fucking the wicked clowns, you know, you got the dead homie. Who are you guys? And we were always just like weird juggalo rappers who fucking made it all the way to the, to the fucking big leagues. You know what I mean? Like that's always been my best fucking explanation for what AMB was, you know? But, um, at the, at the core of who we are, we're like, the underdogs who are constantly having to like overcome these hardships in our lives to keep shining. You know what I mean? And that's really what, uh, what started to come out, you know, musically, not so much the look, but musically and who I was was starting to come out more and more and more. And then as I got to do young wicked, I got to completely just portray myself exactly how I want to be, you know, fucking Rico Suave, my hair back in a dope fucking <laughs> hairdo and fucking, you know, throw on some skinnies and a, and a fucking cut off t-shirt. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm comfortable in that shit. You know what I'm saying? I like the way I look in that shit. Bitches are feeling it. So fuck it. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely much more comfortable in my own skin now as I grew in this business and as I grew into uh, who, and to realizing who I am as a person, I definitely, you know, all that shit became easier. Dressing for shows became easier. Answering that stupid ass question of who are you became easier. Like, fuck you. I'm me. Listen to my music. You know, I'm a musician. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah, we're not, we're, we're just not all that gimmicked up, but we, we turn it up every now and again. There's whole concerts where we've done with our faces painted fucking three costume changes and shit. Right. You know, we still do flavor like that for Axe Murder Boys for sure. But, uh, but yeah, man, as far as Young Wiki goes, I'm just, I'm just being myself. And like the last AMV album, the Garcia brothers was really us. It was us like pulling from our childhood and shit and just fucking, you know what I'm saying? Putting our anger on a record. So, so yeah, man, we're just basically became more and more ourselves, you know? Right. When did you start to feel like you were getting more, comfortable in your own skin to be able to really tell you who you are as an artist through your music oh probably after i got sober <laughs> after going to rehab you know and then fucking getting clean i like i went to rehab i had a couple relapses and then got clean again and uh have been that way for uh just over three years now and uh that was like the super awakening of like uh you know who I wasn't was that guy who was drunk all the time and the the feelings and emotions I had when I was hammered all the time and broke and fucking, you know, with a bunch of different hoes and all this other shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that shit was like not the fucking person I wanted to be. So as soon as I got that shit out of my fucking system, I started really focusing and realizing who I am, you know, introspection and shit like that. And, uh, yeah, so I'd say around 20, 2013, when we made Garcia Brothers into 2014, was when I really, really was, like, going to start hitting my stride. And that's when I realized I was going to do the solo shit and, and it just started banging shit out. Killjoy Club happened, fucking produced a Joker card. All kind of shit happened, you know what I'm saying? And I'm still still pushing, man, still, still keeping it fucking going. It's a lot easier now because I'm comfortable, you know what I mean, with yeah. who I am and with what I'm saying, confident, you know what I mean, it's the shit. Definitely. Is there any uh, future plans for any uh, ex-Murder Boys, Garcia Brothers material? 
Yeah, we're recording it right now. It's actually going to be finished before the month is over. And uh, it's called Muerte, which is Spanish for death. And it's just going to be a ruthless fucking A&B record. And, uh, and yeah, we're going to um, put it out, I, I think, as soon as possible after we finish it. So maybe like a month or two months after we finish it. Sure. So it'll be out before it'll be out before the year's done, and uh, it'll come with three or four videos. And we're gonna try to tour. We're gonna fucking really hit him. You know, Bones is ready. You know, he's been sitting and and waiting and helping me shine and helping me do this young wicked thing, and now he's ready to fucking get out there and rip some shit up. And it's it's really dope. You know, there's a difference between a young wicked show and an A and B show, and it's really cool the difference. It's really fun to watch us up there together because it's like. We we're bouncing off each other all fucking crazy and all this energy and you know what I'm saying? When it goes right, there's not like a word missed. Anytime my shit drops, his shit is up, you know. Like we learned that from Twisted and, and ABK and fucking uh shit Lavelle from back in the day. Right. They were all like we watched Twisted do it and we learned how to do it well from them. And ABK and Lavelle like fucking straight up verbally schooled us like, you know, because back in the day, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, really. <laughs> I mean, we had our lyrics on this shit. So, but yeah, man, big plan for A&B. We're going to do a bunch of more sh- more shit. A lot of merch, you know what I mean? A lot of fucking uh, new music. We also got Cut and Stitched Volume 2, which is like our cryptic collection or whatever. And uh, we got the Volume 2 of that, and that'll probably come out with the album, you know what I'm saying? We're going to try to make that like part of a, a pre-order option. You get that whole other album if you pre-order the fucking where they you know what i'm saying so should be dope what's sort of like your regular sort of contact with everybody over there when you know prepping this album you know doing the touring and whatnot you know from your perspective yeah. what's sort of the day-to-day operations like well it's pretty fucking you know everybody's got a really nice sense of camaraderie and it's not like a forced and it's not weird and personal. It's just like everyone treats each other the way you would if you were working with somebody, like normal as hell. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's a lot of expectations, and everybody strives to meet those expectations because it's benefiting everyone. Like, there's nobody who's uh, – you actually get paid here. If you, do, if you do work and you sell a product, they'll pay you for it. So everyone's motivated to fucking work really hard. Motherfuckers show up eight, nine in the morning and work all day into the night, you know what I'm saying? And just, just school shit, you know, they hook shit up like this, like interviews. And I get a text or a call from at least two people from the label every day setting something up like, here, you got to do this or this is going on or here's a check or here's a song you got to rap on or send us some beats, you know, like every day we're doing something. So I guess the atmosphere could be described as like, you know, a strong work ethic and fucking professional and fucking like, you know, our, our subcultures, you know, we use the word family a lot. These yeah. guys treat you like real family. Like if you went to a, one of your family members house, you know what I'm saying? They would invite you in, offer you a drink, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> See what's up. They would, you know, it's just, it's crazy, man, that I talk about normal stuff. Like it's so fascinating, but it's just like, these guys, you know, they know how to treat people. So that's why motherfuckers like to continue to work with them. You know what I mean? Right, right. The shit. I, um, 
I remember, you know, a couple years ago when I uh, first interviewed uh, Jamie and Paul of Twisted, and we talked about everything with Magic Ninja. One of the things that they um, said is, like, we don't want to work with anybody unless they, you know, put in the work and they're, they're, they want to be people who eventually will be able to headline their own shows or headline their own yeah, tours. Yeah. You know, how are, what are you doing to be that person, a part of this label? Well, shit, man. All we, all we strive for and, and push towards is just making each artist as big as they can be. And if that means me touring on some Juggalo tours in the beginning of the year and then going out with some mainstream artists, you know, I did a Mickey Avalon tour a while back. Like, it's all about building that brand yeah. with as many people as possible. You know, it's not all closed off to one sect of people. I've got my, my core fan base, which is the Juggalos, you know what I'm saying? And it's not every Juggalo by any means. Like, my fan base is a select amount of Juggalos, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? But uh, but that's the thing is, like, w- with, with Juggalos, like, you don't have to like all of it. Just fucking do you, you know what I mean? But, like, what I'm going to do is push my album to the people who love it and to anyone else who wants to listen to it because I feel like my product can go anywhere. And I learned that on the Mickey Avalon shows, you know, where it was not a juggalo in the crowd and I'm still rocking these fucking shows and selling all this merch, you know what I mean? So that's the plan for me, to just try to take it as far and as wide as I can. The same way Tech 9 did over the course of his career, you know right. what I mean? And uh, and just branch out, you know what I mean? And, like, nobody over there, like you said, nobody over there has the mindset or the mentality of just being a... A, a spot filler to play some shitty stage at 3 a.m., you know what I mean, type thing. You know, like, that's not what m e is trying to do to their artist or their label by being like, you're with us, but we're going to give you the chats and make you stay where you are as far as expansion goes. Like, you just stay here, play the same stage, play the same shows, and, you know, never expand nobody's on that shit at MME, you know what I mean? Everybody's just like, expand, 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 keep working. Don't put out the same shit the same way, you know. Everybody's like, being motherfuckers at other companies, I don't even understand how to use, like, Instagram and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing at MME is left on the table. We don't, we don't let anything slide or just not get done. You know what I mean? Everything is used. Everything is promoted properly. We're making, you know, videos, flyers. You know, we're not leaving any money on the table. I actually have merchandise now. It's amazing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, yeah. At this point, I guess the best thing I could do to to make it work and to uh, become that headliner is to just keep making better music. Because once I get uh, that bright record out, you know, that that's all it really takes is having that one album that can turn it for anybody, you know what I mean? And until then, we're going to keep making dope shit for the people who are already buying it and loving it. So, anyway, yeah, it's good shit. Right. How do you, how do you feel like, uh, just as uh, Magic Ninja as a whole, how do you feel like they're trying to expand the brand where it, it isn't just continually pigeonholed towards the, the Juggalo crowd to where it hits these other sort of sectors of the music industry? Well, I mean, they hire, first of all, they don't, you don't have to have face paint to be here and you don't have to have some goofy gimmick to be here either. You know what I mean? You can just be dope musically 
and, and have an opportunity at Magic Ninja, you know what I'm saying? And so that, that alone right there is big. There's no uh, holding anyone back. There's no fucking tight casting anyone or forcing anyone to rap about any specific thing. It's like none of that. Make dope shit, and M&E will help you facilitate pushing that shit to as many people as possible. You know, and like, okay, Gmo Ski, he's got like a lot of dope battle raps, and he's really lyrical. He's got mad punchlines, you know what I mean? There's a whole audience outside of the Juggalo community that love that, that he, you can push that to. I mean, he's doing like a – Gmo Ski, in my opinion, is like a fucking – he could go anywhere. Like, he's doing Warp Tour – uh, in Massachusetts coming up in a couple weeks. And that's just an example. Like, I know he's going to rock that show, even right. if none of them kids ever heard him, because he's got that music that can carry through to any crowd. And uh, M&E, M&E helps us get in front of those crowds, you know what I mean? So that, that's, really, that's really fucking what it's all about. Right. Yeah, you have this new album coming out, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Um, what was sort of your mindset going into this album when you're trying to figure out what you wanted to do for it? I just went and spoke straight from the heart. Like, I was feeling and going through a lot of the stuff because of what uh, my ex-label was putting me through and all the all the shade and nonsense that was on the internet, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I just, like, fucking purged all those feelings into this music in a real positive way, too. It's not like a salty, bitter, like, I hate you guys for picking on me shit. It's more of like a defiant, like, you know, if you ain't riding with me, fuck you, because I'm still shining, you know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, and uh, it's tight that we call it the return of the prodigal son, because basically I was off, off in the world for a long time, you know, and I was doing bad, maybe not bad intentionally, but life wasn't half as good as it is now. And then finally I get to come home, to some people that uh that really respect me and it, I, like it feels like I'm in it feels like I'm home in the place that I need to be right you know what I mean so I've returned to keep dropping that dope shit and like they didn't kill me they didn't silence me they didn't make me stop I fucking beat that shit I rose above that shit and I'm still still pushing you know what I mean so that's basically the whole the whole everything behind the album keep, keep we i even got a song on there called keep it pushing but basically you know and another song called carry on where it's just like no matter what you know you try to do to stop me or silence me it's, it'll never happen you know i got too many people who, who got my back i got too much heart in this music it'll never ever happen <laughs> right and that's what the album is the album is basically me just being like fuck you i'm shining <laughs> Right. I like it, man. That's a dope <laughs> way to that's a dope way to put it. I'm gonna put that on a t shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds dope. That sounds dope. Sometimes when um you have sort of like these independent labels or even like these boutique labels that the uh that that uh these major labels will give to rappers, um right. you'll you'll sometimes you'll have that marquee act on there and then you'll have these other acts that they uh that they sign to the label. And sometimes, and a lot of times, those other acts don't get the attention that that, right. that, that main act gets. With Magic Ninja, obviously Twisted is the, the marquee act of the label. But does yeah. everybody at Magic Ninja like give the attention to your music just like Dog, they would do for a Twisted yeah. album? You wouldn't believe, man. It's, it's, and the thing is, 
the fact that Emini does that so well, like they give the prop, and this is in my opinion, uh, they give the proper amount of attention that each artist so well that it's like, I can't believe I ever went through anything less. You know what I mean? Cause these guys are just so on top of it. And I know it can't be easy, but they make it look easy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cause, because, you know, Jason and Mike Winnegar and, and George, everybody over there is just like killing it for everyone, going all out for everyone. I've had more opportunities here than I've had in like, you know, years of my career. And they got a, a slew of other artists that they're pulling these opportunities for all day the same way. You know what I mean? It's like coming from the situation I was in, it's really humbling. And, uh, you know, it, it's just like I, I'm just blown away when I'm when I'm here. And they're like, they're calling me every day like, this is happening. This is going on. Do you want to do this? You know, they do give me enough attention. Like as an artist, I feel like I get plenty, plenty of attention. <laughs> that was a problem for a long time. For me, at least, it was just like, damn, don't nobody give a fuck that I'm on this label no more. But these guys, it's not like that, you know. And uh, I, it helps with, with the label, too. Like, each rapper isn't jealous of the other one. Motherfuckers don't want to fight each other. You know, like Gmo, when he gets an opportunity, I can be happy and proud and, and like, uplifting for it because I know that, like, I'm not being hoed out at all. Like they'll do their best to give me the same opportunities and they do right. and they prove it. So we all, we all are happy as artists so we can support each other guilt free, you know, ego free. Everyone's doing good. Whereas like there's other companies where everyone gets thumbed down and everyone gets placed in a, in a position that no one is happy with the motherfuckers start hating each other and shit. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That, that shit don't exist over here. Everything's on the table. Everything's open communication. You know, if you have a, a grievance, which I, I don't see why anyone could <laughs> with this company. And I know that sounds like fucking fairy tale talk, but this is the God's honest truth, man. <laughs> These dudes fucking, they just do right. And, it's and, you know, it's it feels refreshing because in the world, so many businesses would be so much better off if people just did the right thing. You know, just do the right thing, bro. Pay the person for what they did. You know, whatever. Just do the right thing, and and they do that over at MME. They work hard as fuck for us, and all we got to do is keep turning in that music, dope music. You know what I'm saying? As fast as we can, honestly. That's the thing is we have we since I got here, I haven't stopped recording. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's the shit, man. Aside from uh, making your own music, is there is there any sort of roles in the day to day operations over at Magic Ninja that you've kind of assumed and taken you know control of i'm not really i uh i send over tracks and if i'm there i can engineer for folks and stuff but they didn't even really put that on me to try to be like you know can we use as an engineer or make make everybody's beats or come in here and do everyone's show tapes or whatever like it wasn't that at all basically i came here and they were like it's time for you to shine as an artist it's time for Young Wicked to do what he needs to do as an artist, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's been really, like I said, refreshing. I I kind of fucking take a step back from the engineering and producing other people's albums so far, and I'm I'm very happy with that. I'd love to do work with anyone on the, on the label, be it engineering or production. Right. But the fact that I've gotten to focus on my shit for the first time in like four years, you know what I mean? That's right. that's that's a great great feeling. Right, right. How, how does it feel to sort of have that, 
freedom to be more creative and not have to do all these other jobs and then make your music. It's great, man. It's amazing. <laughs> I get to hang out in Colorado and raise my family, you know what I mean? And at the same time, make my music. Like, they understand the power of the Internet. Like, I don't have to be there for some face value thing. Like, they know I exist. I know they exist. Right. You know what I mean? It's okay for me to live in it. Like, Gmo lives in Cali. It's okay for people to be out of state, like, and still make it on this label. And, you know, I was, you know, back in the day, it's just refreshing. That's the best word for it. And uh, it's speak, you can hear it in the album. You know, I'm just so much more comfortable and happy with my, my personal life. And it's made me able to focus on my professional life way better. You know, I was like, that's another positive. I quit taking uh, prescription pills around the same time that I signed with Magic Ninja. Okay. Because I had an issue with that, too. I kicked that shit because I don't need that shit anymore because I'm not god-awful miserable in my life anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Life has gotten so much better and so much easier to take on that I've been able to, like, through will and, uh, and, and strength, defeat other addictions and shit and issues in my life. You know what I mean? It's a blessing all the way around, brother. Matt, you know, Magic Ninjas came and fucking saved me, dog, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> Like Weezy used to say, he used to say, or, or, or no, it's not Wayne, fucking uh, Tech Nine. He said, uh, Strange Music saved my life. Well, fucking Magic Ninja saved my life. That's for sure. That's good to hear. That's Fuck good to yeah. hear. <laughs> That's Hell good yeah. To hear. It's good to say, man. I like doing these because it helps me remember how fucking awesome shit has been the last few months. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. As we wind down and, this, uh, this interview, uh, like with this new album coming out, what do you hope your audience gets out of, you know, what you're trying to say on this album? I just hope that they understand that, uh, that despite all the hardship and, and hatred that was thrown on me, you know, despite being the underdog still that, uh, I'm still here and, you know, we're still rising. We still got a mission. We still got each other. You know what I mean? Basically I want them to walk away with, you know, an understanding that just because motherfuckers want to talk shit on the internet or motherfuckers want to hate, hate me for all this outlandish made up bullshit. It, it in no way stops the operation. Everything we've built for the last 15 years is still here and we're just going to try to make it bigger. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of what I'm, it's just a, a, a reaffirmation of like solidarity on this album. Like I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. And even if there's a whole army against me and I'm standing completely by myself, it's still not going to fucking change. You know what I mean? Fight to the death. You know what I mean? And hopefully we're not fighting to the death. Hopefully we're fighting to success. You know, that's, that's the goal here. Right. It's just being successful so we can make better lives for our fucking children and our families, man. I'm a big, I'm a dad, so I'm big on, you know, paying bills and fucking being there for my children. You know what I mean? So uh, that's what my personal life mission is, is making dope music for the people who love it and managing my business well enough to support my children and my family. And with, with Magic Ninja, it's like that. It's easy. It really is. All you got to do is just make dope shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's great. It, it's so much less of a crazy, pressured thing than it used to be. And it's now it's just like the way you would think it would be when you first got a record deal. You know, That's how it is now. 
but yeah, I just want people to understand when they hear this record that, you know, I, I see the support, I love them for it, and that I'm not shook or broken by anything that's happened in the last few months. I'm just ready to go, standing here ready, you know what I mean? That's what this album's about, so. Well, that's awesome, man. You do definitely sound like you're in a good place, like you're happy these days, you know, so that's yeah, good to yeah. hear. So good luck on everything. Good luck with the album. Um, if anybody wants to uh, check out the album when it comes out, more information about you, you know, where can they go online? They can go to youngwicked.com, and that'll take you respectively everywhere else you would want to be via Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twisted Shop, which is the website you can buy the albums. The album's out in four days. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but the album's out June 30th. Shit, actually, when this airs, it'll be out probably. Yeah. So, album's out now. You can buy it in any store that actually sells a CD still, or you can buy it online or through iTunes. Uh, if you buy it through iTunes, you get tracks, exclusive tracks, all, all sorts of dope shit. There's a million different packages. So youngwicked.com, you can find me there. And uh, you can learn more about my fucking journey trying to make it in this business, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It's been great talking with you, I should have been a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 man. <laughs> young fucking Wicked the awesome. Wrestler. <laughs> they call me fucking Young Skinny. Young Skinny. I'd be the cruiserweight champion. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Awesome. It's been great talking with you, man. You have uh, you, you have a good too, day and good luck with everything. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks again. No doubt. All right. Much love. All right. Later. Guys. So that was my interview with Young Wicked. Go ahead and pick up that new album, The Return of the Prodigal Son, via Magic Ninja Entertainment right now. It's a really good album. Now, on to the Fresh is the Word discussion portion of the show. And like always, I'm joined with my co-host, MMA and pro wrestling connoisseur, Detroit hip-hop artist, and proud Marine, V-Styles. What up, though? What up, though, Kelly? You all right, man? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Been uh, ex- experiencing some issues with my lower back. I just started uh, physical therapy for it. So it's nothing severe, but hopefully it will... Uh, Get, you know, clear up soon uh, with uh, some ther- physical therapy. I went out, I took a road trip out to Chicago this past weekend for um, for Rise and Shimmer Wrestling. Uh, they're uh, these uh, women's organizations. Um, mm-hmm. And it was super fun, but road trips right now with my lower back all kind of like not feeling good, man, is like the worst. Like, on my drive back, I was just, like, wrecked. I was like, oh, my God, my back hurts so much. Yeah, the back the back is definitely nothing to play with, man. That That's, yeah, you got to take care of that, Kelly, man. That, that whoo, that's a different type of pain. Yeah, it just, it just, it's not too overwhelming, but it's just, like, annoying. It's just always there, and it's totally, you know, putting a bummer on my summer, you know, because it's just, like, those, some days it'll feel fine, and then I'll start to go do something, and I'll be like, oh, shit, two minutes in, I'm like, my back hurts now. Yeah, my knee is like that now, man. I had ACL surgery a couple of years back, and uh, now I feel uh, my movements is a little different, man. But once I'm, once I'm uh, in motion, you know, it starts to feel good. But right. The beginning of the day, man. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right, like, like rain or snow or anything, <laughs> man. 
Dude, yeah, for real, for real, for real. All right, th- on the day that we're recording this, it's the first day of the Mayweather and McGregor World Tour. Uh, the spectacle of all spectacles. <laughs> what was your thoughts on this uh, this first promo run out there in uh, Los Angeles? I'm gonna get round one to, to Connor. I mean, I mean, it was typical Connor. Um, Did you see his suit? If you sit, yeah, he had <laughs> pinstripe suit that had "fuck you" in the pinstripes. <laughs> that was. Uh, <laughs> That was uh, like, wow, really? That really fucking happened, man. So <laughs> I, I mean, what do you say? I mean, it looked good. You know, you don't even see the fuck yous until you pay attention. That's what makes it slick. Right. That's, that's you know, hilarious. You got really, to really be looking at his, you got to really be looking at it. To be like, damn, did that just say fuck you? Yeah. It said fuck you, man. So, um, yeah, if he's trying to, you know, present some new shit tonight on social fashion wear, man. I think a lot of people would buy those suits. <laughs> I, right. I know I would. <laughs> right. Just look closely. Look you see closely. My suit? You see my suit, right, boss? You see it, right? Yeah. Shiny. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're they're pouring some gasoline on the spectacle around right now, man, and it, the the flames are starting to erupt, man. It's It's... It's getting very, it's getting interesting, man. I think people are, uh, they're diving into the spectacle. Buy, yeah, they, they about to buy into it. Um, oh, they're buying into it now. And, and nobody's, and, no, and everybody, and everybody, this is the one thing I do, I do really like about it. I feel like everybody is, is honest that this is a spectacle. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone's honest. This is a spectacle. This is, this isn't nothing serious. This is, uh, it's serious, but it's still a spectacle. So we can get. Yeah. So we can get that out of the way. It's a spectacle. So that's that's to get everybody to buy into it. Yeah, um, Floyd gonna beat the brakes off that boy. It's just sad that uh, we're definitely gonna enjoy the build up, and for those um, who enjoy boxing, we're gonna watch Floyd do what he does best and. Um, he's going to beat the brakes off Conor McGregor uh, in a boxing match. If you expect anything less, then uh, you are definitely sad, sadly mistaken. But all this is going to be irritating. I mean, not, excuse me, not irritating, entertaining. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's going to be irritating too. But I'm more looking forward to their trip to Ireland than I'm looking forward to anything else as far as you talking about the media obligations. Right. The Ireland the Ireland um conferences, uh press conference is gonna be so over the top and I think it's really gonna make Floyd uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I can uh, see that. They, them some, look, you know, they some proud people, bro. And they don't give a fuck who you are. My Ireland people, they they different. They some they're a different breed. Yeah, man, you it's going to be crazy. You taking a whole team over there? They got a whole country. Yeah, man, that's going to be very, very interesting, man. Like you just, yeah. you just see how you just see how wild they are in Ireland for anything like MMA. Didn't even have to have uh, 
if you have anybody, you know, like the Bellator, you went out over there for Bellator, it was wild for that, you know. Just think when that goes over there, you know, when they do a presser out there, man, it's going to be wild. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at this something, something right now where it says, it pissed off Floyd's dad confronts Conor backstage and McGregor absolutely roasts him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look at this. That, that, that. Yeah, dad, dad. I don't know what dad doing, man. But dad need to need to. I mean, we 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 love senior, but dad need to stay in pocket, man. This is about Floyd and Connor. This ain't got nothing to do with you. Right, 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 right. Uh, turning to some other MMA news. It looks like uh, Gegard Masasi is uh, going to Bellator. Well, I'll say this. Two weeks ago, me and Mo was talking. Yeah. I said, man, I said, man, wouldn't it be funny if Gagar came over to Bellator? Because I said, I said, I still think you're a little salty over you beating him. You had way less fights. Cause I think Mo had six, seven fights when he beat Gagar for the for a strike for his world title. And Gegard at that time was top three light heavyweight, right? You know, in, in, in the world. So losing to Mo, and I picked him back then, and that was the start <clears throat> of a dope friendship. But um, I always said that L probably bothers him more than any other L. Now I'm saying this today. Yeah. A couple fights from now, a couple fights from now, if Gegard gets to a point where he's a middleweight champion, that that conversation is going to come up again. So remember that I said that right. today. Uh, I just I've always believed Mo beating him changed him as a fighter. He actually went on like a little loser streak. At the time he lost to Mo, I think he only had one loss. He was like thirty-one, one and one, or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, had a ton of fights, and he was just that good. <clears throat> um, I think that fight did something to him as far as him making his wrestling wrestling stronger. It changed him as a fighter so much the way he went to his natural weight, which is middleweight. Um, I'm happy for Bellator. I don't understand why UFC would let arguably a top three middleweight in the world uh lead their organization on an upswing after beating one of your poster boys, Chris Weidman. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, Chris Weidman, I, mean, I like Chris Weidman. I love the whole story. You know, his, he's known for being Anderson Silva and, 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 you know, his come up. But that guy beat, you know, one of your poster boys. You know, controversial or, or not, because he, he was definitely going to finish him. That's what Gegard does. When he know he got you, it's pretty much a wrap, you know? Right. Um, let You let this guy go. On a hot street, I can only too. Say, and on a hot street. On a hot street. Look, they did the same thing to Lorenz Larkin. These are top fighters. Most importantly, I've been saying this for the longest. Fighters love Scott Coker. Scott Coker is a magnet. Right. Um, people don't understand that Bellator have to do certain things to bring attention to themselves. So 
while building the younger fighters, you know, you might see a nostalgia actor too. Yeah. But bottom line is people are going to watch. Yeah, those are fun. And people like those what, fights. Me too. Yeah. Me like, too, because there's, like, yeah. there's always unfinished business, and people always want to see that unfinished business. Now, he doesn't I – don't, I don't think Scott Coker is over the top, but if you look – if you look at the, the Elite XC days, the Strike Force days, it's nothing different than what he did there. And if you look at the Strike Force days, competition wise, they at the end of their reign, that competition is there. So much as in as far as when you match them up with the UFC um people. So much so that if you look at UFC's top people today, they're all Scott Coker fighters. I've been saying this for the longest, you know, even on this podcast. Right, right, right. So I'm happy uh, that Gegard is there. Um, You know, I think he's going to shine, man. I I see several fights that I would like to see, you know. Maybe, you know, I I, I could see a scenario where uh, Rory McDonald wins the World Away title and he wants to go up and fight um, Gegard. I can see Gegard wanting to go back up, like I said, and get that L back. Because he said after he conquers the middleweight division, he's going to go for that 205 belt. Well, right. we all know, you know, we know what's going on there. So <laughs> um, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a lot of good things that's happening, man. And I, I, I'm happy. I'm just happy I've been aboard, man, and, and seeing what's happening. And I don't, I just don't understand why wouldn't you pay – a top three guy when if you was to match him up with your champion right now, he probably would be the favorite against Michael Bisping. But you let this guy go. And I think, um, and I think that was one hey. of the reasons why he, he, uh, he left was because that division is so just has been just so weird lately with the whole Bisping versus uh, St. Pierre thing. Is that going on? Is it not going on? And then with uh, everybody else in that division, if they're getting a uh, title shot or not, and there, there's a lot of reasons like and that I heard in his interview, uh, he was um, Musashi was saying on uh, the MMA Hour in regards to you know why he uh, he went over to uh, Bellator, and he did. He, and one of the things like you said was that no one ever says anything bad about Scott Coker, and he's someone that he wants to work with, you know, and that was another reason why he went over there. Mm-hmm. Scott Coker has love and admiration from a lot of fighters, but people get caught up with the UFC Kool-Aid. Um, your champions over in UFC right now, Daniel Cormier, uh, Teron Woodley. Uh, you can name these name these guys, the top fighters over there, the Luke Rockholds, the Yo Romero's, the Alistair Overeems, the, you know, you name it, the, the Ronda Rouseys, the Chris Cyborgs, you name it. Those were all Scott Coker fighters. Those, those weren't homegrown UFC fighters. Those were fighters that they inherited when they purchased Strike Force and kept Scott Coker up on the contract because they knew if anybody got him, he's the one that can be direct competition. It take a while, but he he can get competition going. 
against the UFC. It reminds me so much of the NWA days and the WWF days where you had alternatives to watch. Yeah. And some people were NWA fans and some people were WWE fans. You know, people lived and died Hulk Hogan by purists, lived and died by Ric Flair. So um, I was an NWA fan. So if you want to, you know, put the two and two, you know, I would say WWE is more UFC, <laughs> NWA is more Bellator. But um, Bellator on the rise, man, and it's going to keep happening. Um, they, that Reebok shit doesn't make it any better for them. These guys are independent contractors. If you're an independent contractor, right? why is it that you have to wear a fucking uniform? People are tired of that. Fighters are tired of that. Um, and it's not even a cool-looking uniform. No, nah, it's not. <laughs> you know, you know they, they, this shit looks super. I don't know nobody that owns, like in real life, that owns a fight kit. I know you don't either. <laughs> you can't name a person that's rocking a Michael Bean, Bisbing uh, fight kit. Yeah, they happy about that. We rocking that Reebok Michael Bisbing. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's crazy. But, man, no, it's going to be interesting, man, with uh, with Musashi and, uh, and Bellator now. And uh, he'll... Uh, I say... I say he gets a media title shot against Lima. Oh, d- dude, he's definitely he's definitely should get a uh, get a title shot. Definitely, instantly brings credibility to that championship. Just like credibility is credibility is starting to happen in Bellator. It's it's you know you, people ain't gonna be seeing too much of the the craziness. I mean, you go you got a couple crazy joints that might happen, but. They, they it's gonna slim down a lot because it's gonna be about the the up and comers and your current your current fighters that are on that platform. Right, right, right. Uh, turning to uh, the UFC uh, this past weekend, there was a couple uh, events going on. There was the uh, Tough Enough uh, finale redemption, then also UFC two uh, two thirteen. Me just being out of town, I missed most of everything. I was able to get home uh, just in time to watch the the um, the Romero Whitaker uh, fight, and pretty much that you know it was an amazing it was an amazing fight, but it pretty much uh, um, worked out the way everybody said that Romero will probably uh, you know win early. Take a move. And he yeah. will, uh, and he, if he's gonna win, he's gonna win early. But then by the third round, he's gonna start to gas. And if Whitaker can hold him through the third round, and uh, then it's gonna be, uh, you know, Whitaker, it's gonna be Whitaker's fight, which happened. And Whitaker went the whole way injured with his with uh, getting his knee injured, which he already, he had an uh, injured knee for a while. But you could tell he was uh, on on one leg for most of that fight. So that was crazy, man. Yeah. Kudos to uh, Whitaker. I didn't have him winning um, going into that fight, and he wound up winning. Um, and pretty much the way they, you know, like you said, they, you know, Romero gas in it. I mean, it played, it played into that. You know, he, he, you know, he stuck and moved. You know, he kept sticking and moving. So um, I think Robert Whitaker uh, will beat Michael Bisbee. I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on Michael Bisbee in the last 
15 minutes, but I kind of am. Because um, even, I mean, everything timing-wise happened for that guy to become champion. Like, all the stars aligned. Right. And this dude defends his belt against a 14th-ranked Dan Henderson. And, you know, you you, you beat... Um, who did he beat? Like, who, 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 who's the other guy he beat? Um, Dan Henderson, the only guy he fought? Uh, yeah, he's been the only one he's fought since uh, since he won the belt. And that's p- piss fucking poor. Are you kidding me? You know, yet, you know, my boy Luke, you know, like we all hear the cries and we know what the fuck's going on. And Dana, Dana's just got motherfucking big boys that 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 he rap for, man. And Bisbee is one of them. You know, he hey, the guy never pulls out of a fight, you know. But yeah, his shit, his shit on Teron Woodley. You know, he'll get Ronda Rousey the world, but he'll shit on. Uh, you know, he don't really say nothing bad about Dave Cormier, but that's because DC don't give him no reason. Right. But you know, if he sits on people if you don't have that hey boss relationship with him. Right, right, right. Um, and and and, and, and it's just so obvious. Connor gets away with murder. Um, I personally don't think he's gonna fight anymore after this Mayweather fight. He doesn't, you know. What else does he need to do to secure his 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 family? You know, he can go be a dad and have a. You know, he may get the itch to come back, but I, I see him. Um dropping that belt and Ferguson and Khabib fighting for that title. That's just what I see, you know, or Geechee, who knows, but we're going to have, you know, a new champion uh, in the lightweight division soon, man, because I know if I got that bread, what the fuck I'm about to go get beat up with four ounce gloves on for, and I just got this bread (laughs) with 10 ounce gloves on. It don't make sense. Right, right, right. You know, so, um, there's going to be some interesting things, you know, happening in the UFC soon. But I don't really give a fuck. I'm, you, my loyalty is is always where it's been, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't like the politics on the side, but I call it as I see it. Um, you know, he throws motherfuckers up under the bus, like uh, Amanda Nunes. You Yo, know? that was crazy, um, man. Like, look, look, when you're, you're, she is your champion. He is the promoter, and it doesn't matter if he agrees with what happened or not. He's supposed to spin that into the positive manner, and he just automatically—he just yeah. automatically threw her under the bus this weekend before even knowing everything. And th- that shit was just so—that shit was wrong, man. Like, like you're the promoter. That's what he do. And like, that's what it. You mm-hmm. just know he doesn't want her to be champion. You know, it's just that—that that was. That was just so wrong, man. That was so wrong. That's what he do. He shit on people, man. Um, he shits on, on people, like, horribly. And it's like, damn, man, really? You know, but you'll you, you, you suck Ronda Rousey up, or you'll suck Michael Bisbee up, or, you know, um, you, you, he just got his ball riding ass crew. Right. You know, I, 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 you know, he don't even have a relationship with his mom, <laughs> you know, so 
I mean, again, not to dig at this dude, but it's like, man, come on, man. You you always do some home at shit, man. As a promoter, you know, you spoil, yeah, we get it, you the boss, man, but you can't show how biased you are. He does it. You know, Dana White is, and I've been saying this for years, he's is the do as I say and not as I do person. Right, and he's he's you know, even been on record saying that. To, to he's been on record saying that. Mm-hmm. It, that he he that that's who he is. You know, you can just see it in his actions. He'll do some whole shit, and then somebody turn around and do the same whole shit he do, and he'll punish that person. And it's like, well, damn you, you did it too. Okay, well I'm the boss. He doesn't he doesn't say that, but the actions definitely speak. You know, so right. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I still see them going, you know, downhill. Um, and fighters are, are coming, they're coming in the age where they know they work. So there's going to be more people, you know, leave that horrible organization. I hope my boy Luke, Luke contract up. I'm pretty sure he, he'll be, you know, coming over to Bellasso. You know, I can't talk about stuff like that. But <laughs> I just see other people who say, hey, you know what? Fuck this. Right. If you can't beat them, join them. And then now you got to spend money building your new fighters. And, you know, you got to hope that you can find that gym, you know, because the gyms that you have found, I see, I, I say UFC has made, has found one gym. Guess who that one gym is? Who's that one gym? Let's take a guess. I'll give you one guess. That they've actually found? Yeah, that they actually found. He may have have had two, three fights or four fights before he got there, but for the most part, they built his whole career. Oh, dude, I don't even know. Who, who Who do you think the one gem is? John Jones. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I'm not saying like they built his star. I'm not saying that John Jones had fucked his star up, but they built his star. That was a platform to where, you know, I didn't know John Jones prior to UFC. I don't think if anybody said they knew who he was, they're fucking lying. <laughs> so, um, I remember watching his first fight in the UFC when he was like maybe four or five and all or something like that. So that's the one fighter that really has had a UFC career that they built. Now he's fucked that brand up numerous times, but he's the only fighter that they built. Think about it. Uh, okay. Everybody else came from. Pitch. Yeah. Everybody else Stay came from everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else are for the most part, Scott Coker fighter or Michael Bisbane, but that ultimate fighter. Yeah, and his shit is luck. His shit is luck all day. But DC, strike force fighter. Watch this dude when he wasn't even on television. We had about three, four fights. So to see where he's at right now, even um, again around the even so Conor yeah. even Conor McGregor came from Cage Warriors where he was a double champion yeah. over there. Exactly. He built his own shit. Right. He built. You his know, own he had a fan base. You know, all they did was. Okay, well there. Let me let me grab this dude and see what he can do over here. And he became they they knight in shining armor. That's why he can do whatever he wants. 
Um, they gonna have to spend money on building these fighters, man, and are you know, or or are they gonna just hope that fans take to a certain person? You know, you can tell when they really getting behind that fighter. You start seeing that fighter with Metro PCS commercials, and, <laughs> right? You know, uh, they may be in little independent movies. You know, uh, I don't know. Just be hosted. Right, right. From what I from what I hear, uh, you know, the Dana White and UFC is taking a liking to uh, Justin Gaethje, especially after his uh, UFC de- uh, debut this past weekend. You know what happened if that dude lost? <laughs> right. Okay. That dude would have lost. You know what a day? You know what Dana would have said? Man. Hey, man. Hey, the kid. The kids are come. You know, it's, this is the big show over here. Uh, Right. You know, when you come over to the big show, you know, you know, you may be big over there, but hey, you find the guys come over here and they find out the UFC is the real deal. Change that to Geechee winning. Oh, yeah, that guy's a stud. (laughs) You still didn't build him because we knew who Geechee was before he got over there. Right, right. In fact, we all knew who Eddie Alvarez was when he got over there. You know, we knew. So it's like you can't you can put it over you can put over these new motherfuckers, man, that don't know, man, but are you gonna spend bread to build stars? That's the big question. Scott Cook would do that because he has a big like Viacom like Viacom is it. Right. And and over at Bellator there is young guys over there that they're starting to uh to to build as, you know, people who could be future faces of that company. It's happening, bro. It's happening. It's happening. So we're going to enjoy the ride, man, to see what's going to happen in these next couple of years. I totally missed this uh, fight, but what did you think of the uh, the third fight in the trilogy of Alistair Overeem versus uh, uh, Verdum? Uh, this is their third fight. Their previous fights were in uh, Pride and Strike Force. Uh, so their third one is here in the UFC. Um, I heard a lot of different, you know, opinions about how this, uh, uh, you know, was scored. I didn't get a chance to actually see the fights, but uh, how, what'd you th- uh, make of it? Honestly, I'm happy that Alistair got the victory, but if I want to be 100, it should have been a draw. Yeah, that's what a lot of people um, are saying, that it should have been a draw. Yeah, uh, Alistair... Won the first round by by a hair. He won the second round clearly, and I think Fabricio should have had a ten eight round in the third round. Yeah, and that there's your draw. Um, but I'm not necessarily mad at Alistair getting the victory, but I honestly think it should have been a draw. But Fabricio didn't do much until the third round. So, at best, he deserved a draw. But I can understand why they gave him, you know, the loss. It should have been a 10 round, third round. But, yeah, good for Allison, man. That keeps him, you know, that keeps him in title contention. Yeah, man, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. That's what I was just hearing a lot, that it was just, it should have been a draw. It was kind of a weird decision, but. You know, shit Fabricio happens. went and filed a. Um, he 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 trying to get it overturned, 
saying he didn't lose that fight. Right, right, right. So he, so he appealed it. He appealed it today. Yeah, well, that probably won't. Uh, nah, that ain't going to go nowhere. Could, nah. Be like, talking like, uh, <clears throat> like I'm New York. Dead ass ain't not going to switch. <laughs> Dead ass going ain't going to switch. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, cool, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Big fuck you to the to the people that that fucked up Prodigy's mural twice. Yeah, what they the? That's some whole ass shit. Like what the? Like who? Um, are, like who are these people that are doing that shit? Um, allegedly some bloods that he had beef with that said every time that mural go back up, they go fuck it up again. And I read that from uh, I think Cranky Cranky Cut, Cutlass Instagram or somebody like that. Oh man. That's sad, so, bro. You know, allegedly he had beef with Bloods. That's what uh, Frankie Cutlers was saying. Shit, it's disrespectful, man. It's super disrespectful. Super disrespectful. But you know, this is the like, like, like Phil Collins say, "This is the world we live in." Oh. <laughs> it is real. Yep, yep. And yep. these are the things we've given. Yeah, real shit. Real shit, real <laughs> shit. All right, moving to the world of pro wrestling. The champ that runs the camp is the U.S. champion now. He, uh, AJ Styles beats Kevin Owens at the MSG house show this past weekend. Like, they, every, you know, every, in every great moon, they do something crazy at some of these uh, MSG shows. That's been something that they've mm-hmm. done for decades now. Like those MSG mm-hmm. shows are always kind of something special, and every once in a while they'll they'll pull something off like this. So it was crazy, man. I was I I was like, I just came off. Uh, no, I just I just came back to uh, the, my hotel uh, when I was out in Chicago, and I just happened to look at my phone, and I'm like, oh, wait, what? Wait, huh? I think that's how everybody's was. We were, everybody was like shocked. I was really shocked that that happened, man. When I when I was a kid. Before the internet and all that crazy shit, YouTube, um, we used to have the call hotlines to find out right. if titles changed during house shows because other than that, we would have to wait until Saturday or Sunday to find out if anything happened through the week. Um, house shows used to, uh, title changes during house shows used to be pretty common. Um, when I was growing up, and that's what made wrestling cool. You know, you wanted to know what happened throughout the week because we didn't have, you know, the internet or anything like that. We have to call these numbers like ML Curly to get that update, and you know. So that's where I come from. I think fans should always experience the unexpected at yeah. house shows. Yeah. And that should happen pretty frequent. Um, I was at a house show when I seen Ronnie Garber beat Ric Flair in a steel cage match for uh, the NWA world title. Um, One of the greatest experiences I've ever had was watching Dusty Rose pick up Ronnie Garvin. No, it was uh, Barry Windham picking up Ronnie Garvin, him holding the title up. Every wrestler from the back came out and celebrated. <laughs> and I can re- and I can remember 
um, the next day when World Championship Wrestling came on on WTVS, uh, Tony Schiavone breaking update, da 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 and here's <laughs> the end of the match. And they will show what happened the previous night. Ric Flair went, I mean, uh, Ronnie Garvin winning the title. It's one of the dopest shits that I've ever seen, man. Um, fans need to experience that. So I'm glad that it happened uh, for AJ Styles. Uh, he won in two ways. He won the U.S. title, a belt he hasn't held. Yeah. And he did it. He did it at what we all considered a mecca in Madison Square Garden. So, um, yeah. yeah, big up. That's an, that. that's an amazing moment to have, man, to be able to win yeah. a title, a WWE title at MSG, dude. That's like, yeah, that's like the center of all entertainment in think, sports. Think about that. Think about, think about this. That's what Superfly jumped off the cage against Don Morocco. <laughs> like, that place. It's magical. So yeah. if it was gonna happen anywhere, the guard. You know what? Watch the and watch the SmackDown uh, tonight. Things yeah, are just. I, well, I've seen. Uh, I've seen the main event. Yeah, things are just different on there when AJ Styles is a champion. It's just better. It just feels better. Oh yeah, instantly. Instantly it feels raises, better. It raises the show. Like when he rock, everybody want to be on. Like, when he's wrestling, everybody want to show the fuck out on what they can do. It's like it elevates everybody else. Yeah, it was just, like, it just felt better. Like, he's one of those guys that when he's a champ, it just looks better. It feels better. It's just more entertaining. It's just more captivating to watch the show. And, like, so I'm glad yeah. I'm glad he has this uh, U.S. title. It's... Uh, it's like it's good to see uh, another belt around his around his waist again. Easily is about to become more important than the world title. Dude. <laughs> dude. Dude, definitely. Definitely, definitely. And that's the gift, man. John Cena was the last person to held the US title that made the US title um single-handedly. I care more about seeing his weekly challenges than who held the belt at the time because that didn't matter because his matches were just so fucking top notch. And you know the thing is tonight they referenced uh that because at the beginning of the show AJ Styles did an open challenge and John Cena came out to uh to do the open challenge but then Kevin Owens and Rusev came out to uh you know squash everything before anything ever got started. But they definitely oh, referenced. Oh, okay. They de- okay. That's how the tag match happened. But they definitely okay. made a reference to John Cena's run as the U.S. title champion and his open challenges. Because I was wondering um, why was they facing off at the end, and then they, you know John raised his hand. I'm like, okay, they're cool. Okay, so that's what happened. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was actually really it was very good, st- a really good connection to the past with that title and what it is now so it was like a fluent storyline that was actually happening right there so (laughs) good good because i remember that u.s title on on, i remember that u.s title on motherfuckers it's like why is this dude champion 
Right, right, right. Uh, did you check out the Great Balls of Fire uh, pay-per-view this past weekend? Sure did. I had fun watching it. I thought it was pretty solid. I was all cool until Joe lost. Yeah. No, the funny thing was is that I uh, I felt, I, and not because I wasn't enjoying the pay-per-view, it was just because I was dead tired from traveling. Like, I fell mm-hmm. asleep before the, um, like, during the Roman reigns uh, Braun Strowman uh, match. And so I, I uh, had to watch it the next day. But I, I, I just assumed that Joe lost because nobody text messaged me with joy that Samoa Joe is the universal champion. So I knew he lost. Because <laughs> I didn't get any... I didn't get any text messages. I didn't see anybody happy online. It was just like nobody was talking about it. So I'm like, okay, Brock Lesnar probably won. And see, I ain't mad at Brock. I'm just disappointed that he's a part-time champion. And to me, it takes away from the talent that you have on the roster. It's like everything revolves around you and other things become important. Well, you know um, what? You know what? I think, uh, I think uh, Brock Lesnar enjoys working with Samoa Joe. Just based off that uh, their segment on uh, Raw this week, uh, also involving uh, Roman Reigns, like that was a that was a difference. Brock Lesnar. Roman looked out of place. Yeah, it was. He got emotional a little bit. Like, like he 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 actually wanted to be there. It seemed like, and uh, that was such a fire. That was a great segment, man. I'm like, I was on the uh, edge of my seat. I'm like, oh, dude, man, and like. Oh, what's going on? But like, yeah, Roman Reigns is kind of there. He kind of uh, out of play, whatever. But maybe this will eventually be a you know a you know a triple threat match at um like SummerSlam. That's what it, that's what it seems like it's going to. It's going to eventually be, even though they're going to do this sort of number one contendership match between uh, Roman and Joe uh, next week. But eh, I don't, I don't like. I think it'll eventually be a, just a triple threat match. I hope so, man. And I hope Joe gets some type of a run, man. Um, I, I really, you know, I keep going back to this. I hate you keep shoving this one motherfucker down our throats, man. And it ain't worked yet, Vince. Um, changes. Attire. Give him a new haircut. Okay, this is this is the thing with new... Roman Reigns. This is the thing he 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 tried to murder Braun Strowman, and he's still the face. What the hell? Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he's exactly. Just turn him heel, you know, man. Come on, turn just him turn heel. Him heel. Cause, cause he tried to kill okay. Braun Strowman in an ambulance. <laughs> What I what I really hope for is when Brian comes back, the fans just are so over the top with him that it officially turns Roman into a heel, even if he don't want to be the heel, because the right. fans choose. Right now, it's still the middle. They still kind of like he got his like little fans, and he got a majority of people that boo. But unless Brian has the overwhelming support. You know, the WWE is going to keep him, you know, it's like Steve Austin. You know, you wanted him to be the heel, but the fans like, yeah, man, we fuck with this dude, man. Fuck you. We cheering for him. <laughs> right. And, you know, i never forget that time he fought uh, Bret Hart. And Bret Hart was definitely the face going in, at least in the WWF's 
uh, mind. And during the match, you saw the fans literally turn against this dude. And he looking like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is really going on? Right, right, You know, right. And, and the next day, you know, uh, even when Steve Austin, you know, he blood out, you know, and never tapped out. The next day, Bret Hart came on, got booed out the fucking place. And that's when he was officially the heel. But we choose really who who the heel. So I, we need to get behind Braun, man, because, yeah, man, I'm so tired of fucking Roman Reigns, man. I'm the guy. Oh, horrible. This is my yard. My yard. Oh, my God. It's horrible, dude. You look like a, a fake-ass Navy SEAL. I don't want to see that shit, man. <laughs> I don't want to see that, man. You know, I'm tired of you coming out. I'm just tired of his whole shit, man. I, in fact, I'm tired of the whole shield shit. They need to reunite right now. Right. Yeah, just like say fuck it, dude. Just reunite them all. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I've always thought that. Um, um, well, Seth to me is, is is the G out of all three of them. Right. Um. I was just thinking about this but, last night, like when I was when I was watching uh, Raw. I was like, you know, what? I miss the the Weasley champion Seth Rollins that was a part of the Authority. Like that was such a good run. But at the same time, that was the only thing. That's the only good run that any member of the Shield has had since they broke up. Is Seth Rollins's Weasley champion part of the Authority? You know, run. Yeah. I, I... I'm not uh, really a fan of the asylum guy. What's his name? Oh, Dean Ambrose. Oh, Dean Ambrose. He he. Nah. He has one. He has one move when he goes through the ropes and bounces back up for that monster clothesline. That's dope. But he is probably the most boring wrestler out of the three. Yeah, and he was, um, and he was like my favorite out of the Shield when he when there was the Shield, you know. I was more of a Dean Ambrose fan than anybody else when the Shield was yeah, together. He's turn, but he's super he's super corny now, man. I there's just something about him that don't. It's like, man, uh, get him off fucking TV. I don't want to <laughs> see him on TV. Right, right. Well, it looks like also the Hardy Boys might be broken soon. They're uh, they're, they're teasing it more and more. And Jeff, what 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 what, what happened? Late, what happened uh, recently? Oh, did you see it on Monday? Yeah, I, no, no, no. I met. What did I miss on Monday? Okay, so uh, so the the Hardy Boys come out and uh, you know they're talking about you know they're in the ring talking about their loss uh, to Sheamus and Cesaro uh, at Great Balls of Fire, and and uh, Jeff Hardy does the whole render me obsolete line that they did in uh, in Impact. Like the whole song, like he says that whole thing, and the crowd, the, fan, pop- the fans get behind it. Oh, the, cr- the crowd pops for that, and then Matt Hardy, I think he's he um he he started saying some some specific keywords that he that he used to say, and then what had happened is after um they actually had a match with um against uh, um Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, and they ended up losing mm-hmm. that match. 
And then afterwards, the revival came out and beat up the Hardy Boys. So right now, you have this thing where the Hardy Boys can't beat Seamus and Cesaro. They lose to the Good Brothers, and then they get beat up by the revival. Like, it looks like what's happening oh, is they're going to just keep on losing. So they're trying to... Like they're, they're trying to take him to that dark place. Yeah, it just looks like they're going to continue to lose and they're going to soon crack and they're going to fully bring out this this uh the, the broken gimmick that we're all oh, waiting for. Oh, I like that. It's, I it's like coming, that. Dude. You build it up. It's coming, man. But when Jeff said that, like we're like, "Oh my god, he said it. He's just said it." <laughs> yeah, cuz Jeff Jeff ain't said nothing close you know, like you see, you see Matt doing his shit, but Jeff ain't broke character since he's been. Wow, I gotta, I gotta look at my DVR now. Now, how did I miss that? Oh, I know how I missed it. Yeah, fucking getting the order. Okay, um, uh, yeah, I gotta. Okay, I gotta, yeah, I gotta look at that shit. I gotta look at that. Yeah, that was that was very that was very interesting. So I think uh Yeah, I'd have, have lost it if I oh I got a kid, man. Yeah, I'm about to I'm about to yeah. Yeah, cause did they did they open up raw? No, that was um that was um somewhere in the middle. I think sec- opening second um, hour segment. Yeah, that was like a second hour segment. Um Enzo and Cass I think actually opened up Raw if I believe if I remember so. But no, it was it was. Did they, have, did they have they have a match or did they, they talk shit to each other? Uh, I think well, I for, actually I forget <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I think I think uh, and I didn't remember. And then, and then and did the Big Show show up? Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Big Show showed up or something like that. Yeah, he he came out and something happened. I can't even remember now. What the hell? Okay, I'm about, I'm about to. Okay, so when we finish, I'm about to start looking at. It. But no, when Jeff, Jeff started talking and he he ended his uh, his little promo by by saying, you know, about I'll fade away and classify myself as obsolete, and the crowd just went woo. Regardless of that, we're like, the internet blew up. We're like, oh, it's happening, it's happening. Oh wow! If they do this shit right, let's see. They keep doing this shit, and then all of a sudden, SummerSlam is where <coughs> we finally see what we wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get uh, Matt Hardy gets in touch with the seven deities. Oh, man, that shit would be so fucking great, man. Oh, wow. And Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And it looks like we're finally going to get some uh, know more about this this thing that's been happening with Kurt Angle and Corey Graves with these text messages and whatnot. Uh, at the end of Raw, um, they said that you know next next Monday, whoever this person is that they're talking about or whatever this controversy is, they're going to be on Raw. And I don't know who this person's going to be, and I don't know what it is, but. But uh, Kurt Angle like said that he loved them, so <laughs> on the phone call. So I have no idea what's gonna happen yeah, was, with this. I was hoping that was like his daughter or his wife or some shit like that. Because if he come out as gay or some <laughs> shit like that, 
it's like, where did that even come from? We would have never even, like, wow, okay, all right, good for you, but don't necessarily understand, but okay. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that would happen because all the stuff they've done before, that would, it would make it totally insensitive for them to do that. Yeah, that's it'd be real. completely that's insensitive real. for for that to happen. Uh, because uh, he, he, there's been like comments, oh, this would ruin my career. This would blah blah blah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. If that happened, that would totally be very. That would blow up in their faces totally. Like, like no one would. Like yeah, that. like, like super. That it, it it will blow up in their faces. Like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I gotta don't... love wrestling though. Gotta love wrestling. This is uh. It's some good shit. Right, right, right. You know, it's you know, wrestling's wrestling. But uh, no, I'm I'm, inter- <laughs> I'm I've actually been very interested about what this weird little storyline that they've been having between uh, Kurt Angle and Corey Graves is all about. And I and it's funny how they're kind of building Corey Graves as this person who keep who keeps on finding out shit. Maybe it's the <laughs> angle involving. Uh, Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon and Triple H confronting him setting up their match for SummerSlam. Maybe. Maybe. I I mean, think about it. He's talking about wrestling. He's talking about wrestling. He's talking about Triple H is one one of the people we know that uh, that he wants to wrestle, we know that Stephanie's somewhere in the mix, lurking far away. Um, it got to be a setup for a match, and the only thing that I see is a match between him and Triple H. It's the only thing that I can possibly see. That's possible. Nothing else makes sense. Nothing else will really make sense. See, it will have to be something that we are just not aware of. Right, and see, that's why I like uh, like about this little storyline is that, like, nobody has no any idea what it could be, and like for once we have something that's like, kind of hard to predict. But I will say this: if it's what I called, um, I want to be the I want to be announced as the guru, uh, you know, for now on we. Introducing me, the guru has to be somewhere in that. The only thing I see (laughs) is the guru of pro wrestling and MMA. Hey, you know it it gotta it 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 just gotta be something to where it's gonna set him up for a match, and it will make him heal instantly. Uh, Triple H been gone for a minute. It'll make him the popular dude, and then. You, you, it, it's just going to turn into something else, man, because we all been waiting for Kurt to wrestle again. So, you know, I just don't see nothing else. It got to be something to where it forces a match between him and somebody. And I know Stephanie, I keep saying Stephanie, but I know she's somewhere ready to come back on TV soon. She is the raw person. Triple H lurking somewhere. He's ready to come back on TV soon. SummerSlam is only a couple weeks away. I mean, the stars are kind of aligning. 
Ben O.V., Ben O.V., Ben O.V., y'all. Ben O.V. All right, Guru. That's about <laughs> it for uh, this week's uh, Fresh of the Word podcast. Tell them where they can follow the Guru at. Yeah, you can hit your man V-Styles up at the forward slash uh, V-Style, S-T-Y, <clears throat> V-S-T-Y-L-E-Z on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can hit me up on my official Facebook page at Official V Styles. Official common spelling with the V S T Y L E Z. Also, check me out on my Pandora radio station, V Styles Radio. You also hit me up on my Spotify uh, artist section. Um, yeah, stay tuned. We got some newness coming soon. Word up, word up, word up. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Peace. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.